Hey guys, this is Field of Vapor. Hey folks, this is Pete Bissardo. Hey guys, this is Ruby Roo, and you're listening to Smoke Free Radio. Hello vapors, or should I say hello, my fellow vapors? I'm trying. Uh, ever since I got back from the UK, I'm like finding myself using some, you know, brief British pronunciation in some of my wording. It's pretty, it's pretty annoying. I, I have to admit myself. How's everybody doing out there tonight? Uh, a lot of stuff to talk about. We're going to do a, a Vape Jam UK recap here briefly with my co-host Meg. Uh, and I'm also going to talk about the Sfada conference in Chicago since I did miss a week traveling last week. I want to fill you into my thoughts on what happened at that conference. I also have a little rant, a little advocacy rant, uh, some stuff that's been bugging me lately, causing my uh, blood pressure to rise. Uh, and of course, we're going to have some fun. Speaking of fun, let me go ahead and bring in my co-host now. She's been waiting patiently on Skype. Uh, and I finally got to meet her over the weekend, which was a, a great, exciting time for me. Uh, em, are you there? Hi. Uh, or should I say Meg? Well, your audio is horrible. I have to say Andrew's audio is probably horrible. Is it really bad? Yeah. There we go. We turned it off. There we go. There we go. That sounds better. What's up, Andrew? Um. Yes. Yes. I finally got to meet Andrew as well, too. Uh, by the way, for people that don't know who you are, Andrew, why don't you introduce yourself? Why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, hi, I'm Andrew, uh, obviously, I'm a bloody Brit, um, I'm from VaporTrails.tv here in the UK, um, most of mainland Europe, uh, I also have my own radio show on RY4.com, sorry, RY4Radio.com, and I also do an independent show on a Saturday night called Saturday Night Shenanigans, I'm bloody everywhere, I'm like a ash. Uh, Alright, Meg, can you please translate that for us? 
just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, I have to say, I have to say, it was a pleasure meeting you guys uh, at Vape Jam UK. Let's go ahead and start with that. Uh, to me. Um, Coming over to London for the first time was extremely exciting for me and Phil as well, too. A lot of people that we have met over the past three, four years online, uh, not only through Vapor Trails TV, which we've had a great relationship with, but, you know, through social media, through Twitter, through YouTube, and the various other social networking sites that's out there. It was pretty exciting. And I said this to all the Vapors that I talked to over there. That's the best part for me going to meet. Uh, you know, I mean, seeing, you know, something new and exciting, which was, there wasn't that much there from a hardware perspective, um, but getting to actually meet the people and sit and spend a few minutes talking to everybody and getting to, to touchy feel, not in a bad way, uh, by the way, but, you know, just, you know, to, to give somebody a hug and discuss, uh, to me, that's the most exciting part of that meet. Uh, I want to get your, your guys' reaction. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Certainly. That was, well, the only reason why I went was to go see everybody. Right. See you and, and meet Phil and, and Matt for the first time. I, w- I didn't even know Matt was going to be there until probably like a couple hours before I left Saturday morning. Yeah, he was a late addition to the team to to come down there. Bigger White uh, graciously brought him over to hang out with us. Uh, and, and there was a really, really funny story with Matt. I'll get to that a little bit later on. So, uh, you know, it, our trip with Phil was interesting. It started off great, right? We get to the... Uh, I was actually in Chicago at the Svada conference. And... Um, Flew from Chicago to JFK where I met Phil, and from there we're going to fly to Heathrow. We get to the airport. The flight wasn't very booked, so they had to upgrade for like 400 bucks, you know, to business class. So we upgraded to business class, which was great, right? I mean, it's uh, it's more comfortable, more room. Uh, We got to lay down for a little bit. We get to London at 6 o'clock in the morning, right? And that's where everything started to go wrong. They have us booked at a hotel that's next to the conference center. It's a Hilton, which I'm I'm not quite sure if this was really a Hilton or they just borrowed the sign from another Hilton and they just put it up in this oh, building. It's London, man. They probably pinched it. <laughs> it was horrible. It was horrible. Our experiences at the hotel were absolutely horrid. So we get to the hotel and... Uh, uh, the guy says, uh, okay, we have your, we're going to check you in. I give him my information and all that. Uh, they send us up to the room, and uh, the room is literally the size of my daughter's bedroom. It's two two little beds. I mean, you know, I'm a big guy. Phil's a big guy, too. I don't think we could lie flat and, and our bodies would be, like, totally on the bed, right? If I was just, like, going to move my arm, I was touching Phil. And, you know, I like Phil, but I don't like him in that, in that, in that way. It's sounding very much like my hotel. <laughs> so then I go into the bathroom, right? I had to use the bathroom. So I go into the bathroom. There's no bathtub. It's a handicap access ba- uh, bathroom. So, <laughs> like, the tile on the floor is, like, all one shower. It has a little stall inside. You like like we're eighty five like Jake Jacobson. He probably has that shower in, you know, in his house. But you know it was it was like a small confined space. And if you took a shower, like water would be all over the bathroom. Right? It was, it was absolutely horrible. So <clears throat> we go downstairs, and I said, "Listen, this is not going to work." Oh, by the way, I forgot to say the internet is not included in the room. So well, we had to pay, it never is right. Right. So we had to pay extra for the for the for the internet. So I go downstairs, and I said, "Listen, this 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 is just not going to work." Right. So he uh, he I said, well, we'll pay <laughs> this. This trip ended up costing us about a thousand dollars. I have to admit. But we, I said, we'll pay and we'll upgrade the room because, you know, there's just no way we can stay in there. It's just it's just virtually impossible. You know, we have all this camera equipment. all this, So, you know, laptops and everything to set up. So he says, OK, well, we have a junior suite. You can upgrade. It was like one hundred and thirty bucks, one hundred and thirty pounds, I should say, not bucks, one hundred and thirty pounds more per night. But you get free Internet with it. So I was like, okay, that's great. Go ahead and upgrade us. He said the room's not ready yet. <laughs> you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to leave and come back. 
So I said, uh, I, I told Phil, I was like, well, that's okay. Since since the room's not ready, let's go do a little sightseeing, go see the conference area, and then we're going to come back and get our room. So we left, and we went and saw the conference area where they were setting up, and then we met with Igor, uh, one of the organizers there, and he took us out on a brief, you know, tour of the bridge. We saw Stockholm Bridge. We saw Big Ben. We saw the Parliament House. We took some pictures. It was nice. It was kind of like a short, you know, we went on the underground, but we just wanted to say, you know, we were there. Let's take some pictures that we saw it, right? I mean, we went all the way to London. You know, we want to see something. So by this time, you know, uh, we, we get back, I think, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And, you know, I'm pretty exhausted. We haven't slept because we got there at 6 o'clock in the morning. And um, they said, okay, well, we have your room ready. Uh, you're ready to go upstairs. And uh, we go upstairs, and there's only one bed, <laughs> which is kind of ironic. I, I actually called in the back, and I said, do you, did you think we're on our honeymoon or something like that? <laughs> I gave him, I, you know, I didn't want to be one of these asshole American, you know, tourists. Like, that really, you know, I didn't want to act like an asshole. But, that, you know, that's just driving me nuts. So they said, oh, no, no, it does, it's not only one bed. It has, it has a pullout, too, a couch that becomes into a bed. So obviously, Phil took the couch. I'm sorry. You paid 130 quid more for this. I'd have kicked somebody Uh, in the nuts. On on top of what they've already, because the room was already prepaid by the organizers, right? Or the regular room that we had. So on top of that, we paid 130 pounds a night. But it has free internet. I guess that that makes up for everything. It has internet in the room, right? (laughs) So we get back to the room. We set up. And uh, we, t- we, we lay down briefly for like an hour, hour and a half, took a nap, and then we get up and take a shower. We're going to go for dinner. So we meet up with Danny Baker from Baker White, and Matt Bradley's with us. And um, they said, uh, let's, go, let's go have you know, some dinner somewhere around here in the hotel. Let's ask the receptionist. I think that was a great idea. Let's ask, the receptionist always knows where the, you know, the good places around to eat is. So, <laughs> so we go downstairs. We meet the rest of the guys. We, we uh, asked the receptionist, you know, what's a good place to go eat around here? Oh, he says, we have this brilliant Italian place. <laughs> it's three blocks <laughs> down. Uh, you'll find it on the right. It's called Il, Il Pastrico or something like that. Anyway, whatever. I don't even remember the name. So um, we, we begin walking, right? And we walk three blocks down. We walk into the Italian restaurant. It smelled really good. You know, it looked like it was busy. I said, this must be a good place. You know, I'm a restaurant guy. I can tell if it's, go- it's a good place or not, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so we walk in. Here comes the host, and I said, a table for five, please. And he says, do you have reservations? And I said, no. I said, the, the receptionist from the hotel said, sent us. He says, I'm sorry, without reservations, you can't eat. I'm like, what? What the fuck are you talking about? I said, they, they just, we just walked three city blocks to come down here to eat. And no, he says, I'm sorry, you have to have reservations. And at this point, I'm, I'm just about had it with a hotel. I mean, I'm already hungry. I'm tired. Why would he send us, why would he send us to the restaurant? Knowing that it's a reservation only, or at least not make the attempt to reserve a table for us, he knows we're going down there, is still to this day uh, unknown to me. But uh, anyway, we ended up eating at this Thai place that was not really good. We didn't. Uh, uh, Dory told me about this. I think we heard about this. (laughs) Yes, yes. It was my boss trying to kill Phil. Yeah, 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 it was not. It was not good. It was not good. Uh, But anyway, uh, the the meat started off uh, Friday. We got there about noon. Uh, and you know it, it was just it was just amazing, uh, Meg, to me and Andrew. The, the, just you know the turnout from the people there. I'm, one thing that I'm really proud of is the organizers were really concerned because this was the first type of expo, Andrew. You know that type of atmosphere in London, right? So a little bit concerned on the turnout. What were your impressions when you saw how many people came out? Um, well, walking sort of within the industry, one form or another, for about two and a half years. 
So I've done the only real big event we have here is Vape Fest, which is usually in August, and that's a big outdoor sort of run what you brunk sort of event, and it's grown in its, what, by five, six years now, Vape Fest? Maybe? I think it's in its sixth year now. And anyway, so it's growing, it's growing, it's growing, it's growing. It's now going into a two day event uh, this year. Obviously, we're all going to be there. Yeah. Um, I've even brought a caravan. Yes, you did. I have. <laughs> um, but uh, in terms of this style of event, this is the sort of event I wanted to see on our shores here in the UK I was absolutely blown away by it you, you, well if you go onto my YouTube you'll see the video that I piloted out on Monday on my show and you can see me literally just ah, my god this is so good Yeah. and I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed myself, I met a lot of people I've known for years I met, well I was really disappointed that we didn't see Mag on the Friday um, yeah, cause me, yeah like a fair while now and um, in, in terms of turnout I was I was blown away it was just like the original vape fest that I went to two years ago yeah Meg, Meg your thoughts um you know because I came down on the Saturday so mm-hmm. that was just the day for you know regular people and when I got off the subway and came around the corner and I saw how long the line was stretching I was like, oh my god, I, w- I want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> There's too many people. It was about three quarters of a mile long. Oh, yeah. You should have taken exactly. Xanax before you got there. <laughs> it was massive. Yeah. Luckily for me, I ran into a friend of mine from Wales, Ridian, and we hadn't even bought our tickets Ridian yet. Ridian man. Yeah. And, uh, but we hadn't even bought our tickets yet. And he says, oh, I've got two spare ones going. So I got the line in front of like four or five hundred people. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Special over the air, mate, it, but. Taco Bell, Red Crow Fingers of Steel. <laughs> Just say, hey, I'm, I'm with Vaping Greek. You know, I'm with Vaping Greek. Yeah, well, I didn't. I tried not to name drop too much, right, but right. I I felt at home. There were so many American voices, and just everybody that I talked to. Was well, I totally fell in love with the Mad Alchemist. Shoot, it it, it, it did feel like I was at an American vape meet, to be honest with you, because there were at least twenty vendors there from the United States. It kind of felt like we were going to a, a normal vape meet here. Yeah. But to me, it was so rewarding to see the organizers' faces after it got started and things kind of settled down. To see that, you know, to me, I find it extremely important that the. UK community shows that it would support something like this. This only tells me, yeah, this only tells me that this is going to grow bigger and bigger and better and better every year. And if unless somebody has the balls to get out there and, and attempt to do something like this, done professionally, nothing against Vape Fest. I'm not saying that's not done professionally, but I think it's two different meets, right? It's kind of like the you know the VaporCon here in the United States versus the ECC. It's two different. It's, it's two different types of meets. You know, more is when I get together with friends and kind of party. Another one has a little bit more of that expo. Feel. Feel. And I'll be super honest with you. Sure, Dimitri. sure. I'd rather go to Vape Jam than Vape Fest. Really? Yep, totally. How come? How come? Um, I preferred the atmosphere. I preferred the friendlier nature of our American cousins. Um, I preferred the friendlier atmosphere just straight out there anyway. I preferred the more... I, I, for right. me, it was more professional. It was a hell of a lot more professional, but then I am a bit of an American whore, aren't I? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've said it before, I will say it again, I absolutely, totally and utterly think, sort of diamond edge tipped think that the American juices are the best in the world. Nothing compares. 
I'm in a Mercalli Vosa right now. I love it. It's great. And I've got a whole stack of it here behind me that I'm really looking forward to getting through. Andrew, do you, uh, Andrew, do you think Do you think, Do you you think? think there's a little bit placebo in that, you know, simply because of the marketing that goes along with the U.S. juices? No, and I think, I think no, in, uh, from no. a marketing perspective, and hear me out, from a, from <laughs> a market, marketing perspective, I think that a lot of companies in the United States are brilliant, whether it's good or bad. There's some bad and there's some good. But do you think oh, that there's a little bit placebo effect? I mean, I know the juices here in the United States are a little bit more flavored than the EU. The EU has more subtle, more simple tones, and they're not so complex e-liquids. I, that's been my experience, you know, uh, you know, being from Greece. Obviously, I go every year, so I kind of see what the uh, European vapors are, are are going through. But do you, you know, there are, there are more flavor for more complex flavors here. There's a little Absolutely. bit more science that goes yeah. with it. But do you think that there's a marketing aspect as well too? Because it is a complete package to me on a on, on a product that is like the the e-liquid sales that you have to have both yeah from from a marketing perspective having worked in the retail side of e6 as well yeah um excuse me the english they, they are they will find a brand and they will stick to it like caca to a blanket yeah right and it doesn't matter where it's from it could be china thailand korea if Germany. they like it they don't go if to they anything like it, else they will not touch anything else and it is true. English people are very unadventurous. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my excuse is I'm not actually English. I'm South African. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I've grown up here all, pretty much all my life. And I've noticed this all around me. And there's a very, very big reticence to try anything else. So me, I've always had this attitude of let's try everything. Let's try everything. And I've tried juices from all around the world. Trust me, I reviewed e-liquid for a while yeah. on YouTube. It's how I got my start in the sort of presenting arena, as it were. Right. And to me, categorically, American e-liquid is the best. You know, it's fab. I've got a very wide selection of European and American e-liquids here that I've managed to swag away from the event. And I'm absolutely struck on the one. There's, there's two that really stuck out for me at that event, which is Mad Alchemist and Carly Vapes. And I'm just totally into them right now. And to the point of I'm actually in conversation with Mad Alchemist in terms of um, future business together. Yeah. You got to think. Go ahead. Go ahead, Meg. Go ahead. You got to think. I went from all UK e-liquids, and I started making my own because I didn't like any of them here. Yeah. And for the last four or five months, I haven't mixed a single liquid for myself. Everything I have gone and bought, and it's all American import, because nothing here compares to anything that I've had from the States. Absolutely nothing. And I hate saying that because I have a lot of friends over here that are e-liquid makers. Mm. They suck. I do. I run a Facebook group, and we have sponsors. And um, the one guy who is our first and original sponsor, he's like, how can I be more like what you like? And I'm like, well, don't cater just to me. I'm just one bloke. You need to cater for the your entire people. Mm-hmm. His stuff is great, don't get me wrong. He does a particular juice called Mist, which is absolutely fantastic. It's like a mid humbug flavor. Yeah. Um, it's quite complex in terms of the sort of profile of the flavor. But... F- in terms of comparison, it just doesn't compare. It really doesn't. I mean, the the flavor profiles we've gone over in the last what two days. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's interesting that you yeah. say that because we did tour a few shops with Phil. We went to House of Vapes. Uh, and it was it was mm-hmm. it was it was 
really interesting to see the comparison be- be- between the two first shops that we saw. We went to House of Vapes, which really catered to the tank user, uh, you know, the more new, you know, the, the smoker, the new vapor, and how they had it set up. And then we went to Smokium, which is the complete opposite. Like, they catered to the hobbyists and to the sub-omers. And it was like, it was there was no fine line between the two, right? It wasn't like one shop was like, you know, you know we'll cater to everybody. It, there were both two extremes. But I did go to Puff uh, Daddy. Uh, shop uh, Paul Law. He's a guy that I met before he even opened up his shop. Right, really, really nice guy. I was really happy to meet him. And there were about 15, 20 vapors when we got there. We really enjoyed talking to them. And this was, that was a good balance shop. They had a little bit of everything to cater to the smoker and also cater to the advanced user as well. Uh, what was really interesting. I met this company from Italy called Tobe. They're an e-liquid company. And we and mm-hmm. we, we kind of got pulled to the side to speak with them. I actually got to meet Romaniac, you know, maker of the world-famous pipes. That was really, really exciting to me. And I also got yeah, to meet... Yeah, same oh, time we were packing up. Yeah, he was a great, great guy. And, and I, I love him. I think he's, a, he's just a great person. I also got to meet Pedro from the Caravella Mods, which was uh, really, really interesting. I really enjoyed talking to him. And it was, it was very surprising to see how our advocacy uh, ideas were very, very similar. I, ne- I never expected that. So Pedro was really a delight, f- delight for me to talk to. But when we met with the Italian company, they presented us this e-liquid and, and the guy that owns an older Italian guy was going through all the processes and you know how clean it is and how much they, they spend in, 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 in nicotine and make sure that they use the purest ingredients and, and flavorings and testings and all that. And I look at his package, right? And it's just a plain box that says Tobe on it you know, with one color and it had you know watermelon on it, right? So he's you know he's talking this is just one box out of the, the the 12 that were in the in the lineup that he gave me which by the way Heathrow took but that, I'll get to that later um, uh, but you know he gives me this package he said we really want to come to the United States and I said you don't have a chance I said listen I'd, I'd love you know I, I, I want to be honest with you Phil said the same thing Phil said you know listen we're honest guys I'm gonna tell you right now if you come with this packaging to the United States you stand no chance in the market at all because that is just so far from what people are doing here in the United States. It's so three years ago, right? You can't yeah. put that product on the shelf here and sell it. I don't care how it's 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 perverted. It's from the fact that you have really good e-liquid and you can't sell it simply because the marketing is not behind it. Um, so, you know, Andrew, like I said, you know, I think there's opinions there. My opinion on it, of course, is that there's a lot of marketing that goes along with e-liquid here. Now that it's bad e-liquid, I think it's good e-liquid, but I think that the marketing that goes along with it has that effect, that kind of a placebo effect on the user as well, too, that ultimately the consumer that's going to buy the product has the sell behind it. No cartoon characters. I see somebody on there, you know, no pictures on it. Absolutely nothing. You know, it looks it looks to me like a Robitussin packaging. That's exactly what it looks like, you know, with all the information on there. Uh, all the proper, which which is good, it's good, but it's not something that has a market to sell here in the United States. Uh, anyway, carrying on the conversation, I did get to meet David Dorn. I got to meet all the guys from Vapor Trails TVs. It was it was it was uh, it was uh, fantastic. We did have a Q and A session with the crowd both days on Friday and Saturday that I enjoyed immensely. I think it was fantastic. Just to open up the microphone, no holds bar, no censorship, and they asked me and Phil various questions, and they stemmed anywhere from advocacy uh, all the way up to what uh, Phil uh, prefers, boxers or briefs. But y- <laughs> it. But but one one thing one one thing that bothered me was that when the serious people, I mean, what I believe to be the advocates for the industry in the UK, were speaking, yeah, when you had representatives from Asida, our, uh, there there was only like three people listening to him. I, that was completely disheartening to me, Andrew. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was disheartening to us as well. We had a good conversation on the Sunday evening after we sort of all got back to our respective um, homes in England. Now, I myself at the time was at a wedding, um, but when I came back, I looked through the Skype chat, and the only real bugbears that anybody had was um, primarily the booth babes. Um, my chief really had a problem with that. <laughs> he was not happy with that, yeah. but we all did, but we're blokes. Yeah. Um, but the main th- the main point of contention was when guys because I know the guys from VIP. In fact, they approached me to be a member of Parliament in Worcester, where I live in the UK, and I was going to do it until my sort of jobs became a bit too heavy. So I was going to become a member of VIP myself. So I've got good co- good connections with VIP, and then you've got the likes of Viri, Isita, uh, Move, the new Nicotine Alliance. The new Lorian and Twig, yeah. um, Sarah had come up. Lorian had only decided, I think she texted me at like 2 o'clock the morning before. 1 o'clock in the morning, she texted me asking me where to park, and I you know, helped her find parking and stuff like that. She wasn't even going to come, and I talked her into it. And so she got thrown into this, not knowing that she was going to be up on stage talking about the new Nicotine Alliance. And I was gone by the time she on stage. But well, I was there, and I can tell you now it was practically bad. Yeah, yeah um, it was, but it was that's, really disheartening. And Andy can tell you that's what we face over here in the UK when it comes to advocacy. They don't want to listen to it. And, and you don't, you don't think so we face the same thing here in the United States? I mean, it's everywhere. And this, this is, this is what, this is what really bugged me. Seeing that side, and you talked about the babes. If you thought that was bad, you need to go to a U.S. show. It, it was pretty bad. Yeah, I but, really, 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 really want to, Dimitri. Yeah. <laughs> but going back, going back to the advocacy part of it, to me, to me, which is very, very close to my heart, it was disheartening to see those those people up there discussing important issues. Which brings up an, which which brings up another point that I want to bring up, Meg, and if you can chime in here, is I talked to a lot of European vapors, a lot of UK vapors, that yes. told me that we don't have it as bad here as you guys have it in the FDA. The TPD yes. is not bad, right? And yeah, you know that I, is the biggest crock of crap. Right, right. In my days as a presenter. Right. So yeah. I, 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 you know, I don't want to insult anybody and like, what the fuck have you been reading, right? But it kind of reminds me when the FDA dropped the deeming regulations, and we had some brilliant fucking people in this community that said, "Oh, the FDA regulations are not bad. They're not. They're reasonable." And I'm like, "That's 172 pages. Did you read them all, you idiot?" Right. I don't want to be insulting to them, but it really bothered me. A that. that you know, you don't understand what it is. B, you're spreading that it's not bad. So probably another vapor is going to hear it and they're going to be like, well, it's not that bad because he said it's not that bad. And then you have the group of people that can give you the information and tell you that it's bad and nobody's listening to them. Well, what, what, what was the member state that we talked about a couple of weeks ago? I think it was Belgium. They already implemented the TPD um, regulations yes, and literally gone. Everything. Right. Everything is gone except for disposable cigalikes. Everything. Which is very saddening for us here in the UK. Well, us here in Europe, full stop to here, because with the European Union, all the member states have the option to make early implementation. And right. a few states, a few member states in the EU have taken early implementation for, for their own reasonings. Um, is it Sweden where snooze comes from? Uh, yeah, Sweden. Right. Um, they've got their own sort of thing so that they can keep snooze. Right. Everything else is automatically put through. Sure, like, sure. Bam, there it is. Whatever. You've got no say in the matter. Right, right, right. As I said, Belgium have implemented. The UK is looking likely to just turn into a communist state, actually. If you it's think about it, though, here in the UK, though, we actually, 
we're getting the tables turned because you can vape in Parliament now. All, no, the, M- all the MEPs and MPs can vape in Parliament. They can vape. In, they can vape anywhere in the uh, grounds. Nick Clegg, um, Nick the, Clegg the, the leader. Prime well, he was. He's not he anymore. Was. Uh, but he was the leader of the Liberal Democrat Party. Um, he's a vapor. He's a vapor. Publicly admitted. Third generation mod, yeah. and he likes blueberries. But it's things but he's like also that. A raging idiot. Yeah, I, I, I understand. I understand. However, the TPD, as it's written right now, is bad. It, it eliminates free market, eliminates vaping as we know it. And as being in an environment that's catered to open vapor and catered to our lifestyle, like vape jam, people need to understand that if they want to have another vape jam, they're going to have to fight this directive, period. Because it, 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 it won't happen. It won't happen anymore. You know, the cost, when you, when you limit the bottles, when it goes down to 10 mil, it's not going to be cost effective to send e-liquid from the United States. There's not going to be enough meat on the bone for people to make money. Trust me. They, this is an it's 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 about financials here. You have to understand that there's a whole big scope that people are not even thinking about Portugal. as we're moving ahead. Look at Portugal; they're yes. already implementing taxes on it. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Um, Twelve euros a bottle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all terribly British. Right? Yeah, I, I did get to meet. I, I saw a note. I saw a note in the chat about Totally Wicked, and I did get to meet. Uh, I think it was their VP. Uh, and I talked to him, uh, you know, extensively there after the Q and A session, and I thanked him, you know. But you know how I am, and I ca- I can't just, you know, I can't lay up and just, you know, I have to be honest with him. And I said, I thank you for what you're doing. I wish more companies would back your effort on this lawsuit. But on the other hand, you have to understand because he handed me a closed vapor product system. <laughs> so so we're fighting but listen if shit hits the fan here we got this product over here and uh and he hands me this closed vapor product which i kept for a novelty piece um or i'm going to use it in a video maybe in the future but i said listen i thank you for what you're doing but if your direction if the direction of your company is closed vapor product you, this industry is dead Right and vaping as we know it is dead. So you need to do everything that you can in your power to keep open vapor alive and to keep your customers happy. You know. So to me, always, always, as always, and man, I'm going to talk about this later when I rant about this advocacy thing. There's always an ulterior motive. There's always something behind it. So you always have to keep your guard up with everybody. Seventy-five percent is my rule, and I'm sticking to it for everybody in this community. Everybody, you have to have a little guard up because there might be something else there that we're not seeing. Totally Wicked have been one of the market leaders in the UK for several years. Now, I think what Totally Wicked are doing, this is a personal opinion, it doesn't necessarily affect any of my employees or anybody associated with me, so I had to put that out there. I think what Totally Wicked are doing now, they should have done two years ago. Sure. We should have started it straight away. Absolutely bang off the buck. Sure. The croppers are very, very intelligent men. Yes. Right. One is, a, he's completely batshit crazy, but he's an absolute whiz with law. Yeah. And they've got plenty, plenty of money behind well, them. I, I think, too, when we go back to the TPD here, when it was getting put through, um, I don't know. Did you watch the video of the vote, Dimitri? Oh, shit. Uh, no. Because just right before they went into vote, um, the president of whoever's name is, he decided to split the vote. And instead of just the tobacco products directive, they were going to pull Article 20 out, and the MEPs and the MPs could vote separately on that. And it confused the shit out of them. They didn't know what they were voting on. And well, except the ones that were in. That's the oldest trick in the book, anyway. Yeah. 
So they, not only did that start with the whole, you know, it was disproportionate. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't have any advance notice on this whatsoever. So then they vote for it. Obviously, some parts of the tobacco products directive are beneficial. Article 20 should have never been in there because electronic cigarettes are not a tobacco product. And when they put it through, they were thinking, okay, yeah, you know, it, some parts of it are good. So whatever but right think of the children Megan. yes think, think of, of the children. children well the children is what's gonna what's gonna bury this industry in the united states as well by the way the phone lines are open three four seven three zero eight eight three two nine press one if you want to participate or you can tweet me at vaping greek hashtag smoke free radio but i agree with you meg that's the oldest trick in the book all right we know how these politicians are being influenced we know how law is being made we know that to me i don't i don't i'm not going to criticize a company uh, because if that's their business model, if Totally Wicked's model is to, you know, go after the vapor, uh, closed vapor um, product category, that's their business plan. More power to them. What I do have a problem is that when they appear to be the savior of vaping with an ulterior motive, and that, that there are a lot of people doing that right now, right? You're gonna be the, we're gonna save, we're gonna save vaping. We're your savior. No, no. Okay, there is not one person, one individual, one company, one advocacy group that's gonna save vaping. It's all bullshit. So I, I told him, you know, I didn't tell him like that. I was very polite because uh, he was polite to me. Too. But I did tell them, but I did tell him and I want him to get across that. Hey, listen, closed vapor product kills vaping and eliminates the option for smokers, the, the affordability and accessibility that we have now in the market. And that is a bad, bad thing. Um, anyway, moving away. Let's move away from Totally Wicked. Who cares anyway? <laughs> let's, 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 let's move along. Uh, also, during the Q and A session, it was interesting to see some of the questions that we got that that were you know that were pertaining you know to cloud chasing. Uh, it, it appears that there is this this same thing kind of triggering now in the UK as it is here in the US. And uh, and again, I think uh, both me and, and Phil, the videos are up there. We're very uh, concise in our answers. Uh, there's a room and there's a there's a hobbyist lifestyle that we should appreciate and we should welcome into the community. Uh, but once again, there's a place and there's a time. Uh, where you know you should exercise your right to to blow clouds and, and in certain situations it's just not proper etiquette it has nothing to do with the act itself uh, even though I have my own uh, you know mathematical conclusions on sub bombing based on some of the research that I've seen but that's not going to determine from telling somebody not to sub bomb but if you're going to go sub bomb in the underground then you're a douchebag Right? I mean, I can't, I can't fix that. I can't educate. I can't teach you anything. I can't teach you manners. If you don't have manners, you just don't have manners in life in general. It has nothing to do with sub-owning, right? Funny you should mention sub-owning. Um, as I said, I was on, on the Sunday after the vape jam. I was at a wedding, and um, a lot of people that I know from the industry were there, obviously from the UK. And one of the ladies, a juice uh, mixer here in the UK, um, Heidi Eisenberg, she said, can we vape here? And I said, you know what, I'm just not, because I've got my cloud chasing rigs. I, I'm a dyed and what, I've got four devices in front of me and six drippers. Okay, I am a cloud chaser. Sure. That's it. Um, so she gave it to me, she's like, can we vape here? And I said, I don't know, I'm not going to risk it because even though there's a smoke machine in there with the disco, yeah. I'm just not going to chuck a cloud. It's just, no. And she came back to me, she said, yeah, we can vape in here, it's all right. And I'm like, well, I'm still going outside. Right. Well, like I came down here yesterday on the train. Was it yesterday or the day before? Day, day before, before yesterday. Yeah, day before yesterday on the train. And I got on the train up just north of Coventry to come down to Worcester. And I was on the train and traveling by bus for, what, two and a half hours? And I didn't vape once because, uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't vape at the train stations. Um, Birmingham train station that went to um, the platform is 
practically underground. So it was one of those things where I'm kind of inside, so I didn't want to offend anybody, so I just yeah. didn't do it. Oh, don't vape in Birmingham. No. Train yeah. station. Oh, God, no. no. But it's common sense. You can stealth. I mean, I, I vape everywhere, but nobody knows. I mean, I stealth vape everywhere. There's a difference. I think that I think people are mis, maybe misinterpreting what me and Phil are saying about sub-oming, that we have something against it. And that is not true. No, 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 I, I, I just think if you're a sub owner, you should have manners. You should think before you vape. It's it's it's, it's this freedom cloud mentality that I have an issue with. Like you can do it everywhere, and it is imposing. I mean, we're talking about two volume uh, liters of vapor coming out of your mouth onto somebody's table. That is just annoying. I mean, nobody. You shouldn't impose yourself on. That's not a freedom cloud. That's a douchebag cloud, right? <laughs> so. So I mean, that the, and, and, and trying to get that point across, sometimes I think people take that like we're offending or, or we have something against cloud chasing, and that is not the case at all. I mean, you're an adult. You can make your own decisions. Just don't impose them on me. Hmm. One of the uh, local vape shop owners is like that. He's, he's uh, from Kiddie Meanster. they got a funny accent there, right? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to blow clouds wherever I am. Was it the fish counter that has to do the other day? Well, I blew this cloud straight onto a haddock. I'm like, do you smoke there? Mac, no, I wonder if there's a rash all over me fish. Mac, <laughs> can you translate as he's going along, please? Because <laughs> I'm going to completely. But <laughs> <laughs> well, no, this guy was like, I was, in, I was in the supermarket, and I was at the fish counter, and I'm chucking clouds everywhere, and I'm just like, why? You prick. Yeah. I won't, e- I won't even do it. In most places, I think... I. We didn't even vape at the Mars bar that night nope, when Mark had a show, and they had a, and they had a smoke machine. Oh going. no 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 no! I tell you, I, I stealthed. You did, yeah, a couple times, yeah. and that was pointless. Yeah. But, you know, over, overall, seeing, seeing the, the turnout that was there, you know, I felt kind of a little bad for some of the U.K. companies that set up with Sigalikes and products like that because, you know, they, it, you could just tell they were just out of place, right? What, and what, it, was, the, what uh, was that company? Was it, I can't even think. Baby Caps? I don't know. Baby yeah, Baby Caps. Yeah, yeah I felt so bad for them. Yeah, I, felt so, I, really, I really felt so bad for them. And I think, you know, I mean, I, I always... using it. I, I always relay back to the organizers my thoughts because, you know, I want the events to be successful. And I said, you really need to pick and choose. I know you're trying to fill this place up. But if you bring a company and take their money and put them in a position where they're between three American booths, right, it's going to make them feel out of place. No, they're not going to do any business. They're going to make any sales. And, and it's, you're going to alienate that, that side of well, too. So you got to be a little bit careful when, you, when you're booking these vendors that are coming to these events. And, uh, and, I, and I felt a little bit bad. Uh, as far as hardware... There wasn't really nothing there that that I haven't seen. Uh, you know, tons of e-liquid like we're used to here in the United States and some of these meats. But I did get to meet the Crow Vape people, and I'll be honest with you. The Crow Vape company contacted me uh, about eight, nine months ago and wanted me to review, you know, these new drip tips that they came out with. And they're $85 each, right? And I said, listen, I appreciate the offer. You know, I, you know I'm not one of these people that just wants to get an item just to have it. You know, I, and, I, and I, did, I told them no. I said, thank you very much. There's just no way that I can do a review on $85 trip tip. I mean, it's just ridiculous, <laughs> right? The, the diamond encrusted mods, aren't they? Yes, yes. They have these mods that are like $200,000. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just ridiculous. ridiculous. Okay, so how long is it going to be like... Uh, Right, but th- but listen, I did go to the booth and I did drive. The- I took my drip tip off and I put. The- they had some testers there, and I did put the drip tip, which is oval shaped, which is it's kind of an unusual shape for a drip tip because you have to position it correctly into your mouth. Um, but um, 
I tried the drip tip, and it has this airflow that comes from the sides, and it really, it was fantastic. It really enhanced the flavor. I actually went back and bought a set of three, and I bought a set of three for a friend of mine here in the United States for a gift as well, too. But I was I was a firm believer. If I hadn't tried it myself, I wouldn't have believed it. So I really, really enjoyed talking to them. Uh, Phil did some filming on, on their booth as well, too. He uploaded the video last night from his experience yeah, in the UK. Yeah, video this morning. We really didn't have enough time to shoot because literally every step that we took we were talking to people and we didn't get nowhere near the footage that we that we normally get out of vape me trying to cover everything when you guys exited the um lift (coughs) sorry the elevator yeah Um, yeah 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 uh my co-host davey is a huge phil fan and he literally squealed like a teenage girl (laughs) he was like Come get a selfie. Let's get a selfie. I'm like, I'm so, so I took a selfie of myself. <laughs> that's nice. That's nice. He was so pissed at me. I was like, I, bet, <laughs> I, I bet he was. No, I mean, you know, Phil's a great guy, and he's he's a really down to earth guy. And that, you know, if if you haven't met me or Phil in person, you just we're just regular guys. We just like to vape and have fun like everybody else. I mean, shit, we we're trying to get a drink all weekend in London, and we weren't able to do that either. Uh, oh, we, yeah, he needs to come to Birmingham. Yeah. So, he's so drunk, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was just uncomfortable for us. The entire scene over there was just not our style, right? We want to go to the the bars and you know just with the normal working class people. You know, we couldn't go to these posh places. Oh, um, you to Birmingham. I want to get you so drunk you forget how to leg. And when you come to Birmingham, you won't need to iron in Phil's clothes. Okay, thanks. Okay. <laughs> thanks. Did he tell you about that? Oh my god. Yeah, I did iron his shirt the first night. I did, and I did a really, really good job. But he ironed my shirt. <laughs> the next night so we're even it always works like a good relationship is like that it's balanced so he did he did mine saturday and i also threw my 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 sport jacket on top because i said well since we're going to a posh place i need to have a sport jacket so i put my sport jacket on top as well too uh anyway yeah so we're good there. we're just jeans all right we're good we're good with that i normally don't wear jeans anyway yeah i'm normally not a jeans guy i'm always dressed in slacks and a shirt but in any case back to the meat so Vape Jam UK uh, overall to me it was a huge success. Uh, you know, from what we saw there, a lot of e-liquid manufacturers, something that we've accustomed now here in the meets, the majority of them are um, hardware. Not that much to see. Nothing really new. Nothing really really exciting. To me, what I took from the meet itself, and we're going to speak specifically for the meet now, not my uh, or other experience. The meet itself was fantastic. It was very well done. Congratulations to Amir and his entire team. And thank you for welcoming us and bringing us over to get to meet all the people. The interaction that we had, everybody was very, very welcoming. Everybody was very loving. And everybody seemed genuinely uh, just happy to be there and, 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 and have an enjoyable vape and a chat, Meg. I mean, I got that feeling from everybody. Yeah, so did I. It was good. I, well, like, when I saw you, you knew that I was nervous to meet you. And I told, I I told you that to I was nervous because you got you got to think about it. I've I've followed Dimitri and Phil for years, and I'm restraining one on you. No, no, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Dimitri might, Connie might, but no, it was I was nervous. I was nervous until I saw you, and when I was I was think I was down at the Ruthless Bar at the other end over by the stage. And you text me to tell me where you were at. And I said, oh, Dimitri's just texted me. And as soon as I said your name, like, everybody's heads turned and looked at me like, why the hell is he texting this fat yeah. bitch with blue hair? <laughs> <laughs> and, but when I, as soon as I saw you, I was fine. I wasn't scared. I wasn't nervous anymore because you just, you're cool. 
Well, I'm just, like I said, we're just vapors. It's not a big deal. It was really exciting to get to meet you and, and everybody else. You know, some of the people that kind of stood out to me, obviously, like David Dorn, somebody that, that I've, I've uh, respected. He's 18 foot tall and 16 foot wide. He's yeah, huge. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and he was just he was just a delight to talk. And I really enjoyed our dinner. The, the food sucked. But the conversation with David <laughs> was really, really enlightening. And what we brought up, and I'm just going to make this on a side note before I continue. We did bring up the, the marketing of the, of, of the product we talked about earlier and there has to be an ethical responsibility that goes along with the production of the product as well too not just the marketing aspect uh, and and there, joining us there we had a really good conversation and one great point was brought up in our daily lives right as citizens wherever we live when we buy a product we always come under the assumption that this product is manufactured under good manufacturing practices you never bought a coke and thought oh this coke has been made in a bathtub am i correct <laughs> Am I Coke correct, tasted? Andrew? Cokes that taste like they were yeah. <laughs> well, well, we have never, we've never bought, we've never bought anything on the market today that we have questioned where the production has come from and if it meets all the specifications and the standards for good manufacturing practices. In this case, the consumer does the same thing with the e-liquid, and I think that is very unfair. I think that is a very big misrepresentation of the ba the brand. There has to be an ethical responsibility that goes with making e-liquid, period. I actually, I actually had, um, there's a guy, I'm not going to name names, but there's a guy, and I've, I've known him for a couple of years, he's a relatively new vapor, and he's decided that he wants to DIY. Only so far at my house. Yeah, and he's up Andy's ass like there's no tomorrow. But he decided he wants to D DIY, and I'm like, I'm cool with that, I don't care. But he posted up a thing on the Facebook group that Andy and I admin, and he said... Sorry, I don't admin it, I own he, it. Yeah, he runs it. Anyways. Thank you. Um, he made the post... <laughs> that he had just ordered his stuff to do the DIY. And in the same five seconds of typing, he said, would any of you be willing to support me and buy this? The guy's never mixed a mill in his life. Right. And I said to him, are you planning on having it tested? Right. Um, do you have pro uh, product liability insurance? Because that's required over here if you're right. running a business. Five million, I believe. Yeah. And he got really, really offended because right. I was right. questioning him right. Right. and he demanded I apologize to him and I said no I am not going to apologize when I am trying to protect this industry people like you are dangerous and irresponsible and I will not well, apologize for telling you there's a reason why it's called DIY right it's do it for yeah. your fucking self DIY that's what it means right so uh, in UK it means destroy yourself yeah well <laughs> yeah it could be but you know I mean I don't think that I, I, I don't want to put the pressure from, from the aspect of saying, listen, you know, you have to have an ISO certified lab and, a, you know, you have to, you know, be, you know, in a, in a pharmaceutical setting. But there has to be some responsibility and some ethics. And I think that the organizers themselves as well need to have that when they're organizing these meets. They need to do a background check. They need to make sure these companies are certified or not certified. They do have GMPs. They do have insurance. They are a valid company. They do have an FIN number. And, and that has to become the norm and the standard in the industry. I heard in some vape meet here in the United States, I don't have to name anyone, but there's a couple people that uh, literally borrowed money from their mother to rent a booth to launch their juice line. No, co no corporation, no FIN, no nothing. Right? That has to stop. We need to be responsible, and it starts with the people that are having these meets, bringing these manufacturers inside to sell their products, whether they're doing wholesale or they're doing uh, consumer-to-consumer sales. Anyway, um, <clears throat> 
Overall, like I said, great job to Amir and his staff. We had a great time. I look forward to I don't know if I'm going to come to Birmingham, but if I do, I look forward to coming there and hope my accommodations were better because uh, what happened Saturday night was 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 pretty unique to me. Now, by the way, Friday night after we left the, 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 the restaurant where we went to that Thai place, well, we tried to find a place to have a drink. Uh, we took a car and we went to Soho. We took a taxi. And we went to Soho, and there were, like, lines of people outside these places, and there were, like, Lamborghinis and Ferraris and Mercedes and BMWs, and everybody's dressed, you know, and, and you know, we're with jeans and all that. I'm like, I'm not going to go inside here. Well, I'm, they're not going to let us go in. Yeah? So, so anyway, the, we, we, went, we went to Soho, and we walked around. We, we kept getting stopped by these guys on, on, on taxi uh, bicycles that were asking to take us to strip clubs. Like we like we stood out like like a sore thumb like oh here's four guys walking around <laughs> in the middle of so they can't get in anywhere they look pretty desperate let's go ahead and just you know bicycle them down to the strip club <laughs> so uh, but we just kept on walking trying to find a place we couldn't find a place to have a drink do you believe that not one place that we can have a drink. It is literally full of what I like to call in an English colloquialism yeah. wanky fucking wine bars. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah. it was bad. It was bad. You so, have to come to Birmingham. Yeah. So Saturday night, there's an after party, right? So, yeah, yeah. There's an after party, and it's at the Rooftop Gardens in Kensington. It's supposed to be some posh. See, I'm even fucking using it myself. Some posh nightclub. And uh, and we, we heard there was a dress code. So I was at the Spada Conference last week, so I had dress clothes. I had a sport jacket. I got dressed up. Phil got dressed up. And first, we went to dinner. So... We were invited by a, a gentleman uh, that's, uh, I think he's from Pakistan, um, to go out to dinner. There's about 15 of us. It was a big group. So he took us to the Muslim area of London, right? There's all the restaurants and, you know, everybody there, you know, is some, from some country or whatever. So we go there. And supposedly this restaurant is really, really famous for great food. And I love to have, you know, experience new food. So I was like, okay, we're going to go to a Pakistani restaurant. I said, that sounds fantastic. You know, me and Phil are in. We're adventurous. We want to adventurize our palate. So we get there. We're parking the cars and we're walking. Matt Bradley from The Deadliest Catch is with us, by the way. I just want to put that out there. And we're walking towards the restaurant, and you know, there's just there's just Muslim people. I mean, you can see them just walking around and everything. Matt Bradley opens up his mouth and says, "Oh, I guess we found the terrorist hole." I'm like, "What the, what the, what the hell are you doing?" <laughs> and you know, he's trying to make a joke. You know, I mean, I feel, I feel, I mean, I feel really bad, but he was trying to make a joke, and I'm like, "Oh my fucking god, we're gonna get shot here. There's just no way we're gonna survive this. <laughs> there's just no way. It was my knees, my knees literally." I was like, oh, my God, where are we going to get it from first? Thankfully, nobody heard him. Like, Phil, Phil feels like putting his head down in shame, and we're just, like, trying to walk faster. I'm like, let's let him take the bullet. Let's just keep on walking. So we get to the restaurant. To be fair, though, Dimitri, us English aren't any better, to be fair. It was just bad. So we get, to the rest, we get to the restaurant, and the restaurant is jam-packed. I don't know, it's like 300 people inside there. So it's obviously, I can tell it's a good restaurant, right? So we walk inside, and they served us... Um, uh, this great pita bread with garlic and this great pita bread with coconut and and uh, they had like a mix grilled of uh, lamb chops and beef and chicken and kebab and uh, they had these other dishes you know with shrimp and with stewed lamb I mean the food was just absolutely fantastic but guess what we can't drink because it's a Muslim restaurant they don't serve alcohol 
So, so we're screwed again. Like, I'm like, what the fuck I have to do in London to get an alcoholic beverage, right? You had to bring your <laughs> own liquor, but we didn't know that, right? We just, we just walked in. The irony is in Birmingham, the halal restaurants allow you to drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, that's the, you know that that was that was our experience there with with the restaurant. And once again, proving that we can't have a drink. So anyway, we finished our dinner. It was excellent, excellent, excellent host, excellent discussion. We had a great time. So now we walk over to go to the you know rooftop garden. We're really excited. This is the after party. All the vapors going to be there. So we get to the after party. There's a line. I mean, around the building for this place. Why did they pick? A, a venue that is open to the public to have the after party is is beyond me. I, I think they didn't really think this thing out. I think they wanted to be, you know, to have an impression. Uh, but obviously, they didn't account for so many Americans showing up because <laughs> a lot of people got denied at the door from a dress code. Um, the guy from Element Element Vapors. Yeah. They, they didn't let him go in. Now this is a Jersey boy, you know, living from Miami, right? You know, he has that, you know, that uh, you know Jersey boy attitude and stuff like that. They, he, you know, he had on a jacket and a t-shirt. They didn't let him go in. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it was, it was, it was ridiculous. So you know, but of course, you know, I'm fucking. I'm with Phil Busardo. Phil Busardo is a national treasure. They're gonna let us in. So we get to the door, <laughs> right? <laughs> so we get to the door, and uh, they turn around and they say, uh, "Okay, you can come in." Pointing at me. You can come in, and they stop Matt Bradley. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, no, 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 he's he's with us, he's with us. He's like, no. So Matt had a shirt on. It was it was a, it was a dress shirt, you know, kind of like a cowboy style. It had these designs on it. It was a really, it was a good looking shirt. I got you know, it wasn't, yeah, you know, it was it was good. But he had tennis shoes on. So they I, and I'm like, what? He says, sir. He says the dress code here is smart. I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> what, what does smart mean? I said, I'm pretty smart. Matt's pretty well. Matt, Matt's not the most brilliant guy after what he said at the, at the Muslim area. But I said, you know, what is, a, what is a smart dress code? And they said, well, they have to have loafers on. And I'm like, what? What are you talking I said, this is Matt Bradley. He's from The Deadliest Catch. You know, TV. Do you watch TV and all that? And, uh, I mean, nothing. They would not give in. So me and Phil said, listen. You want to solve about it, Dimitri. Huh? And the main line of it goes along like this. Your name's not Dan and you're not coming in. Yeah. That, that's a song here in the UK, Right, dude. is it? I, well, we did, well, how are we really? supposed to know? Andrew, how are we supposed to know? I, I know, <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, but that's how ridiculous it is in the UK that we've got a fucking national song about it. It's called The Bounce. Well, maybe maybe a Meg should have sent me a fucking link to that song because I didn't know nothing about it. So I, I, I turned to Phil and I said, <laughs> I turned to Phil and I say, Phil, I mean, I can't. I mean, I can't leave these. I can't leave. We're, we're all together, and feels the same way. He's like, "Fuck this!" Yeah. You know, we're not going in. <clears throat> so, we told we told the mirror and the rest of the guys. I said, "Listen, I don't want to offend anybody, but you know, if they they're we're with them. you know, they're our friends. If they can't go in, we're not going in either." So yeah. we ended up not going in. So now so we're of other people. I've talked to quite a few people that are from here that knew that there was a dress code. And they dressed up smart. You know, if you're from the UK, smart is... What the is, fuck does smart mean? I need to know what smart is, because I still haven't understand what smart is. Um, it's suit and tie, dress suit, shoes. Suit, tie, 
dressed like you're ready to go to a funeral. Maybe they should have said, you need to dress up with a suit and tie. Maybe we would have understood it then. Maybe it's plain English. We just could have known. You know, we're so terribly English over here that we expect all to bloody understand straight away. God damn it. Bloody hell. Oh, it was so horrible. Uh, so now we're outside, and now we're like the we're like the rejected, right? We're like the outcasts sitting outside this club that can't get in. And we joined up with, uh, with a Jersey boy and a few other people, and now we ended up being like 10 people that can't get into this club. And we're all from the meet, by the way. I just want to put that out there, right? So uh, we, we, we're leaving uh, to go find a place to, to drink, right? Can't be that hard. Let's go ahead and walk around and find a bar to get in there and start drinking. Because by this point now, it's 11 o'clock, 11.30, and I have not had one alcoholic beverage in me. Neither has Phil. And Phil, when he doesn't have alcohol, he gets cranky. So we start walking around. Uh, again, long queues. No, We don't see any bars. Nothing. We keep walking. It's 11.30, 11.45. All of a sudden, we see the sign. It's like a pub something. And I'm like, fuck it. Let's just go inside here. This looks like it doesn't have a line. Let's have a drink. So we walk inside. And tell me what this is, man, because I've never seen this before in my life. We walk inside, and there's like 25, 75-year-olds, right, like Jake Jacobson's age, like tw- and they're all in green jackets, and they're singing some fucking national anthem. I don't know what they're doing. You find the pub where it all goes totally silent as you walk in, and somebody goes, you exactly are right. you, boy? <laughs> That's exactly what it was. And there's like, there's like 25 old guys singing some national anthem when we walk in. I'm like, listen, this is not going to work at all. We need to get the hell out of here now. All over here, traditional English bullseye. Yes. If you've been from around here, boy, you ain't known welcome, because I've seen you in them United States things, you know. Oh, my God, it was great. It was oh, great. hell no. So yeah. with your cars and your loose women. <laughs> so we left oh, from there. We walk. We walk outside, and then all of a sudden, the organizers come out too. So Igor and Maria come out too. So we, we we hook up with them, and I said, "Listen, we really need to go have a drink somewhere because we can't get a fucking drink anywhere." So we're walking. We're walking around. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. We get a phone call from Jersey Boy because Jersey Boy now kind of broke off from us and did his own thing. He said, "Oh man, I found this bar. It's called the Sopranos. It's it's my kind of scene. It's happening. Y'all come here." So we start walking. <laughs> we start walking to the Sopranos. We find the Sopranos, and there's no lights on this building at all. It's uh, it's down in the basement. So we walk down the stairs, right? It's very, very dark. We walk down the stairs, and we get to the place. We so open up the door. So you went to a basement in the middle of London. <laughs> in the middle of <laughs> And there oh, is... Very brave. As soon as we open up the door, like this heat wave heat, I mean, there was no air conditioning inside there. And no, nothing... Hard, don't use air conditioning here very often. They nothing... They about two weeks out of the year. <laughs> nothing... Nothing makes okay. feel more cranky than when he's sweating. I mean, we literally sat there for 15 seconds and just got the hell out of there. Feels like, fuck this. So I'm, he's sweating I'm and he's sober and he's stuck with you in a tiny little hotel exactly room. right. And it was jam-packed. You know, you couldn't get a drink. It was just horrible. So we go upstairs and I said, oh, this was a big, big mistake. Let's just get the hell out of here. So Danny Baker was with us from Baker White. He says, well, let's just go to the hotel and have some shots. Well, that's a great idea. You know, he was staying at the Kensington Hotel. I said, we'll go to the bar. We'll just kind of hang out. By this point, everybody's kind of thinned out. It's me, Danny, and and, um, and and Phil. I said, okay, we'll go over there and have some shots. We get to the hotel. We walk into the bar. Guess what? It's closed. The bar's closed. <laughs> you want to yeah, talk about a fail. It's closed at 7.30, dude. <laughs> it was so bad. It was so bad. 
So we ended up going back to the hotel, and uh, in, in our, our experience around, by the way, the hotel, the, air, the internet, the first night, I forgot to mention this earlier because I said I was going to bring it up. The, it has free, free internet, right? The internet's not working. Like, we'll log in for two minutes, and then it will drop. Log in for two minutes, and it will drop. I was on the phone with a front desk for about 15 minutes trying to tell them that the internet's not working. And uh, the guy finally puts me into contact with OpenBTNet, which is the company that provides internet for the hotel. Mm-hmm. And now I'm on the phone, 2.30 in the morning, Friday night, I'm on the phone with fucking support trying to fix the internet in my hotel room, which is not literally, it's just, it's, it's, it was worse than China. And China had some bad internet, right? It was so, so, so bad. So the entire hotel experience was horrible. Our dining experience, if you put the Pakistani food aside, was horrible. Our alcohol venture was a complete fail. Like if, if Phil had to review it, it was two thumbs down. That's what he said. If I had to review my alcohol venture, it would be two thumbs down. Yeah. So anyway, all that aside, the meat was great. We had a great time. So that brings us to Sunday. Welcome to England. Mate. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's like so. Yeah, that, let's come to Birmingham. <laughs> we do it so differently. Up here I'm gonna try. Place. I'm gonna try. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working. On it. I'm gonna try to get Phil to come with me as well too. Uh, we have been invited. It's just working out the logistics. So uh, Sunday, it's time to leave. Uh, I call British Airways at six o'clock. And by the way, I set my alarm up. I only got like a couple hours of sleep. I set my alarm at six o'clock to call British Airways to set up, see if they have an upgrade so we can move from economy to premium economy because we're big guys. You know, I mean, <clears throat> we don't mind paying the difference and, and getting an upgrade seat. I called British Airways. They said, "Oh, well, sorry, we can help you because you have booked through a third party agent." And I'm like, uh, "Okay, well, who's the third party agent?" They said, "U.S. Airways, who I booked from here, right? American Airlines." So I, I call. From the from London, U.S. Airways, and I said, "Well, you know, I'm trying to upgrade, and we can't. I can't do it through British Airways." They said, "Well, we can't do it from here because it's British Airways, so you're just going to have to go to the airport and see if they can help you there." Um, so I tell Phil, I was like, "Heathrow, right? Heathrow, Heathrow." So I said, "Screw it, let's just get down." <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. So I said, "Phil, let's just call a cab. Let's get to the airport and get set up or whatever. Maybe we can upgrade when we get there." So we get to, to Heathrow, and uh, we get to the counter, and I said, you know, are there any seats available so we can you know, purchase an upgrade? They said, there's only one seat and $6,500 <laughs> to, to upgrade because the flight is completely booked. I said, well, that's not going to work. I said, I guess we're stuck in economy. Uh, we, we get our tickets. We go through security. And, of course, as soon as we go through security, beep, 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 everything's pulled out. Me and Phil are in two different stalls, so we got pulled over at the same time. So the the chick that stopped me was extremely rude, you know. I mean, I don't know what this is. Some some Londoners are like that, but she was no, like, no, no, no. Um, let me give you a small little education about England that you shouldn't have been given before you get here. We are the absolute masters of doing everything terribly and rudeness. Oh damn, we the world leaders. Yes, yes, she was. She was really rude. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I fly a lot, so I don't want to interfere with her work or whatever. So I was very, very nice. She asked, "Can I open this up?" I said, sure, open it up. Hey, you know, there's something, you know, there's something about opening up a bag and taking out my dirty underwear and stuff like that. I mean, I had it in a plastic bag, but it's a little bit embarrassing, especially there's a lot of people around, right? You know, and I have yeah. my, my, you know, I had the e-liquids that were nowhere near as much e-liquid as Phil had because Phil does e-liquid reviews. I don't. So, you know, when people offer me e-liquid for review, I always turn them down. But people just still give me some stuff to try out or whatever, right? So I had my e-liquid in the bag. She takes off my shoes. She takes off my underwear. She takes everything, everything. It's completely ripped out my bag. 
both of my bags that I had because both of them are carry-on. I have this nice little set that I use to travel. And uh, she takes a bag, a plastic bag, and she puts some e-liquid inside, and she says, this is how much you're allowed to have. Uh, tell me what you want to keep, and the rest of it will throw away. And I said, I said, hold on a second. I said, you know, I travel all the time in the States. I've never had this problem. If they're separately bottled, it should have been fine. <laughs> Listen to what she says to me. She says, she says, well, you know, we enforce the laws here the way that should be. In the United States, they don't. <laughs> really? I'm like, you fucking bitch. I said, I'm going to get arrested now. There's just no fucking way, right? She, I look at Phil over there, and Phil's like, you know, raising his hands up like that. You can tell he's frustrated. I mean, he, you know, when Phil gets cranky, you know, right? So... So, oh, so what I, I didn't want to go outside and check about check the bag. Phil had to. Phil had to put the stuff back in. Had to go outside security and check a bag in, or else they would have thrown it away. For me, you know, I picked my 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 all day vapes and some of the stuff that I wanted to try, and then the rest of it, I said throw it away. So she takes the e liquid <laughs> while you carry on your dirty undies. What do you want me to do with them, Kathy? I had them in a bag. I was traveling for a week, so so she takes she takes the rest of the e liquid and she throws it away, right? I mean, and when she's throwing away, she's actually smiling. I mean, this is, this is fucking, you know, this is, you know, it's just, you can tell in her eyes that she's enjoying doing this. And then she grabs my hair gel. She says, oh, and you can't have this. And she, she, she takes my hair gel and she throws it away. I was like, do you know, do you, bitch, I said, bitch, do you know that I'm the second best hair in vaping? Did you know that? Well, I was, I was, Serving member of the British military for 12 <laughs> years, I can tell you we actually have training courses on being a complete and only said a bad word there. Yes. Um, <laughs> complete and douchebags, I believe, would be a good appropriate replacement. Um, but no, no, I can totally relate. Um, and the downside about all this is, is in relation to certain terrorist attacks in America. So we had very similar about a year and a half later here in UK soil. And because of that, um, I've been threatened with an MP5 Heckler & Koch submachine gun for carrying on a bottle of water. <laughs> it's ridiculous. You should have videotaped that. That would go fucking viral. Germany, as a serving member of Her Majesty Royal Army, with a, royal, with a, a military passport, identification cards i am military personnel and you can't take that on yeah. <clears throat> that's water i'm like really seriously fuck you yeah it was it was really me. uncomfortable for me but, I, but i'm in a foreign country as well andrew i don't want to get arrested you know what i mean and, and and let me just answer a couple of questions that i see from the chat one of the questions is why do you need to check in luggage you know i had three connector flights i could have flown i'm such a i'm just just a sweetheart right i could have flown from heathrow directly to charlotte and charlotte to chattanooga but i took the flight from 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 uh, Heathrow to JFK to be with Phil, right? So we both end up in JFK. And then I had another flight from there to Charlotte. And from Charlotte, I had Chattanooga. I had three three flights, actually, to get home. So when I travel like that, I take everything with me. I have this nice little set that fits my clothes and everything. That way, I don't have to check in a bag and it gets lost, you know, and, and all the other hassle that goes with it. But it's acceptable. I mean, I have the right size bags. So... That's why I never check in bags when I travel. Unless I'm going to go to Greece or something, I'm going to stay for, you know, two or three weeks. Uh, and another question that I sat here, how many ounces were you allowed? I don't know. I think she gave me a little plastic Ziploc baggie and whatever I could fit in there. She's like, whatever you can fit in here is what you can take. She didn't give me a number. She didn't give me anything. It's like, whatever bottle you can fit in there, that's what you can get. So... 
postage standpoint. It was horrible. It was horrible. So anyway, I, I it was, she, she now she's taken all my bags apart, all my clothes are out. There's literally nothing in the in the bag, and she turns to me with this cocky ass smile, right? And she says, "Would you like me to pack that up, or are you gonna do it yourself?" So I turned. Oh, yeah, you doing it yourself. <laughs> uh, I would have, but she's gonna probably ruin all my shit. stuff. But this is what I told her. I told her. I said. Uh, no, honey, I'm not going to be as cruel as you. I will pack it myself. And I took my shit, my dirty underwear, everything, and I moved, moved it to the table, and I started packing my bags back. Anyway, to to hurry this up, because we, we dragged on too long, uh, we, we, we moved to to, uh, to have breakfast. Me and Phil were having breakfast. We're trying to calm down. Things are just going shit after shit after shit. So it's finally boarding time. We can't get an upgrade. We're stuck in these economy seats. It's an overseas flight, whatever. We go down the bridge to get into the plane, and I get pulled out of the line again. Again. For what? She says, the bag that you have there is too big. Mind you, this is a 747-400, a double-decker jumbo plane. She says, your bag, I've not, listen, I travel with this bag constantly, right, for the last year. She says, your bag is too big. And I said, no, this fits in the, in the overhead compartment. She says, no, you're going to have to check it in. So I ended up checking in a bag whether I wanted to. By the way, Phil's bag was thicker than mine, and they had let him go through. This is how fucked up they are, and I think it's probably because. I'd like to tell you exactly why. Um, you would, if, if what you're saying is absolutely true, you would have been identified on that main security stall as. Yes. Potential threat. Interest. Yeah, I was, a pot- <laughs> I was a potential threat, which. Doesn't give me a lot of confidence flying back into Birmingham. I'm going to tell you that right now. That might be a determining no, no, factor. No, no. We don't give Birmingham. a care. Fine. <laughs> you like, this is Birmingham International. So where are you going, mate? Going to the Birmingham. No, no, it's all seen there. If you come into Birmingham, if you fly out of, out of, if you fly out of one of the eastern um, airports, try to get in through Dublin because then you'll actually go through, um, you'll go through immigration in Dublin and then you won't have to do it in Birmingham. Yeah, that's true. I got to go around halfway around the world to touch my ass. But anyway. <laughs> so they, they pulled my bag and they ended up checking it in. To make a long story short, we got into the plane uh, and finally we we got back to JFK. So that was over with. So uh, that was my experience in London. And uh, you know, the best part of it is meeting people like you guys. And I really, really enjoyed that and enjoyed hanging out with the neighbors in London. Yeah, a pleasure meeting you, sir. Um, I mean, obviously, we've spoken very briefly before in trying to interview with you yourself on the trials. Um, but it was it was actually nice to. It's, it's a very satisfying feeling, isn't it, when you when you speak to somebody for no matter how amount of time that you speak to them, yeah. when you actually physically meet them, as you said, without this industry, we'd be strangers in the street. Even if I went over to the states where you are, you came over here into Worcester and we'll pass each other. If if we were still smoking, it'd just be right, straight right, past right. each other. It's like, can I get a light? And that's it. I'm going to move along. <clears throat> Sorry, um, but in, in the, through this industry, through this community, through the we'll say the expo set, um, we've had the pleasure of meeting each other. Yeah, and now now even on your radio show, which to me is a little bit of an, a bit of an achievement because as far as I know, nobody else on Hope Just TV has done this. So that the Skype will start out tomorrow. What did you do last night, Andy? Oh, you know, 
Those are still Dimitri. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, if I, it wasn't for me, none of us would know each other abs- anyways. Abs- absolutely, absolutely. I, I said that in, in in the Q&A session as well, too. I said the only reason why we're all there is because we're all like smokers and people need to for, not, not to forget that. And it's extremely important that we don't forget the smokers as well, too. I think a lot of the community is pulling away from it. That's part of my rant. Uh, anyway... <clears throat> Being uh, this bridge that we have to create between the EU and the U.S. is now even more important because the TPD and the FDA are taking the same route. They're starting to merge again in their regulations. And I think it's vital to open up the communication between the advocates in the EU and the advocates here in the United States and the vapors as well, too. We need to support each other. We need to join forces. We need to consolidate because we're both facing the same thing, and that is the the extinct of vaping uh, as we know it. It will go into extinct. There's just no doubt in my mind if things remain the same. True that. Yeah. All right, True. guys, I will let you go. I know it's late there. Thank you for joining me in my Vape Jam UK adventure. Andrew, good luck. We'll hear you on Our Wife for Radio. And, of course, vapemestupid.co.uk is our resident bitches blog. So follow that for really <laughs> no, no, interesting stuff. No, no, she's got a new name now, Dimitri. What's, what's her new name? Uh, she's got a new name now. It's Dickface. Dickface. Nice. I like that. I like that. That's good. Do you spell that D I C K or D A C K? Dickface. No, 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 no. Sorry, it's 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 sorry. This is something we do in England. We repeat the same word over and over again. I got it. It's D I C K. Dickface. All right, Dickface, and I will see you next week. Hopefully. Yep, you will. All right, guys. Have a lovely evening. You guys have a good night. Take care, guys. There they go, everybody. Meg and Andrew from the UK. What a great time I had hanging out with them and and talking to them. It was a wonderful experience. All troubles aside, and my wife will tell you because I kept messaging. I was like, you will not believe what happened just now. Uh, But uh, aside from all the troubles that we had, we had a wonderful time hanging out with the Vapors. And bridging this gap, creating this global advocacy force is extremely important. Um. The week before I went to the UK, I did attend this FADA conference in Chicago. I think it was done very well. Uh, I had attended the one last year again in Chicago. The attendance to that was extremely poor. And I was one of these people that has, uh, for this past year, kind of pimped out this event, trying to get a huge attendance there for no other reason. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the people that spoke, most of the stuff I've heard because I had tried to attend all these uh, very, very serious and important conferences to try to raise awareness of where we are in the industry. So I was extremely excited to see uh, the turnout there. I think we had a lot of people. Obviously, Mitch Zeller uh, was a huge draw uh, to get people to uh, to hear what he had to say. Uh, he pretty much said everything that I predicted on the last Smoke Free Radio. Um, but there's, there's there's something that we really have to look deep down inside. And, and even the industry that was there representing this, obviously, you know, like I said, a huge crowd versus what it was last year. And by huge crowd, you know, I mean going from 100 people to 250 people. It's still just a slither of what this industry is. Uh, to me, it is unacceptable to have events like that, like the Sfada conference, uh, that that everybody in this industry that is serious about this industry, serious about sustaining, understanding what we're up against, uh, does not attend. I just don't get it. Um, it it's it, it's it's giving me a new perspective of advocacy. It's it's. Who are we really talking to? Who am I doing the show for every week? Who, who listens to my replays? And, and is it the same people and over and over again? Is it the same people that actually give a shit about this community? It appears to me that it is. 
and unfortunately, that is a very, very small percentage. With 2%, 3% of this industry representing at these conferences, you think we have a chance to win? Do you really have – do you have any any doubt that we have failed and we will fail and that we will lose? You shouldn't because it is pretty bad. Coming back to Mitch Zeller, he said pretty much everything that we predicted he was going to say. Uh, I have some of his slides here. They didn't let us record audio or video, so I did neither. I don't want to get in anybody's um, – you know, bad side, because I did it last year at Sfada when I recorded the audio. But uh, and anyway, uh, I, I want to bring up a couple of the slides that he put out there. OK, this is Mitch Zeller, right? This is Mitch Zeller. This is the head of the tobacco division at the FDA, at the Center of Tobacco Products. Uh, some of the slides that he put up there, uh, the, this, this slide is actually this slide is actually titled. I kid you not. I cannot make this shit up. Protecting smokers. This is the title of the slide, Protecting Smokers. Let me read you some of the bulletin points on this slide. Once again, this is from Mitch Zeller. Protecting Smokers. We need to know more about the health effects of using e-cigs, which can be inhaled or used differently than traditional cigarettes. We need to know the ingredients, harmful or otherwise, found in the product that are ingested into the lungs. The effect of flavors when inhaled into the lungs, even if the same flavors like cinnamon are recognized as safe for food. Exactly what is in the aerosol plume? How the products are manufactured and designed from a product safety standpoint. This is a slide, once again, that is labeled <laughs> protecting smokers. Protecting smokers are inhaling combustible tobacco. But hold on. We have to protect smokers. We have to know what's in e-cigs to protect the smokers from living, from escaping the chain of tobacco addiction. We have to protect them. We have to keep them smoking. Here's another slide. This one's titled Protecting Smokers Again. We need to know more about the variations in nicotine levels depending on the device. We need to more know about the patterns of use. The predominant pattern of use for smokers so far is dual usage with e-cigs. The impact on sensation. No e-cig has been approved by FDA for smoking cessation, so it's not legal to claim it that it helps smokers to quit cigarettes without being proven to be safe and effective. This is from Mitch Zeller. The title of that slide is Protecting Smokers. I'm shocked. I'm shocked that this is allowed to go on to this country. I'm shocked that if anybody in this industry believes that you have a chance of sustaining FDA regulations, wake the fuck up. You don't stand a chance. The head of the CTP is actually making slides that is going to ban and prohibit the use of electronic cigarette use to protect smokers. When I did my presentation in China, this is documented, by the way, I called for the four biggest threats that we currently face in the EU and the U.S. by the FDA and the WHO. I have this in a slide. 
I did it in my first presentation when I was there with Phil, and I did it at the Cessna presentation as well, too. I said four things right now are biggest threats when it comes to electronic cigarettes. And I'm going to start with number four. I'm going to go backwards. Number four, efficacy of the product. We need to show that this product helps people to quit smoking. Guess what? Mitch Zeller just fucking referenced that. Number three, material safety, something that I pushed the Chinese hard on. We did the first uh, study, which is going to be in part two, but the materials of, the, of, of the, the atomizers and the devices that we use, the plastics, the metals, the wicking material, the actual wicking coil, stainless, canthol, nichrome, what is the best thing? Have we done any testing on the material safety? Guess what? Mitch Zeller just referenced it in the slides. Number two, consistency of nicotine delivery to the user. We have to make sure that the user of the product gets a consistent and efficient delivery of nicotine when they're using the product. Guess what? Mitch Zeller referenced it in a slide, in his protecting smoker slide. He says clearly the variations in nicotine levels depending on the device. What was number one in my list in China? Flavors. This is one aspect of this industry. You know, the other three, we're working on them. We have some studies on swung cessation. We're having the products now. The actual delivery of nicotine, the study was used with the money that we got from China. That study will be published soon by Dr. F. The results are done. Materials is the next study that we're going to try to get the money from China to do on the plastics and the coils. So that brings us to number one, flavors. That is one aspect of this industry that we can't avoid. We can't defend it. It's extremely hard. And this is the biggest one that Mitch Zeller grasped on, just like I predicted two weeks ago right here on Smoke Free Radio. Go back and listen to the replay of what I said that Mitch Zeller is going to say. Even if we eliminate all three of those concerns as I brought up, which there are more now according to Mitch Zeller and his Protect Smokers Act. I'm going to patent that out. The Mitch Zeller Protect Smokers Act, 2015. The flavor aspect. The marketing to kids. His next slide, protecting youth. Concerns about nicotine in teens include, nicotine is never safe for non-users. Nicotine is highly addictive chemical that can rewire a teen's developing brain to crave more nicotine, thereby creating an addiction. Concerns about the impact of nicotine on cognitive development in teen's brain, including impacts on judgment and reasoning. The earlier a teen becomes addicted to nicotine, the harder it would be for them to quit. New research about the dramatic rise in e-cig usage among teens is a cause for concern. This slide is labeled protecting the youth. <laughs> protecting the youth. While the percentage of high school students reporting current use of cigarettes has declined to 9%, the increase of cigarette and hookah use offset the decrease. So there was no decline in overall tobacco use. From 2011 to... This, I'm reading the slides just as Mitch Zeller presented them. 
From 2011 to 2014, e-cigarette use among high school students increased nearly 800%, and hookah use more than doubled. So we're trying to find answers, Ms. Zeller says. We're trying to find answers. We're doing these path studies. We're doing aerosol analysis and toxicity. Boy, phew. They better be careful on some of these e-liquids that they're going to pick out of the market because there's some shitty stuff out there. Cardiovascular toxicity, pulmonary toxicity, addiction, nicotine delivery and abuse liability, health effects, consumer perceptions, appeal and flavors, and marketing. That's what the FDA is doing. The path studies. What are we doing? What are we doing? What is the industry doing to combat this? Looking into the future, Mitt said. The FDA wants to help all tobacco users quit tobacco use. Hey, guess what, Mitch? Hey, Mitch, down here. I don't use tobacco anymore. Everybody in that room that Mitch was speaking to does not use tobacco anymore. FDA also wants to help addicted smokers, unable or unwilling to quit, to switch completely to tobacco products that pose less individual risk. That's what we've done. You want to help us? Keep the product on the market. FDA encourages manufacturers, small and large, to use innovation in developing tobacco products proven to reduce risk and exposure. How did that work out with uh, Sweetest Match and Snus? How did that work out with the FDA? But no one, here it is, this is the key phrase, no one wants a new generation of kids becoming addicted to nicotine, and new and novel products should not be packed and marketed in ways that appeal to youth and encourage trial by kids. Now listen, let's not fool ourselves. Get out there on Facebook, get on Instagram, and look at some of these packaging. Look at some of these bottles, look at some of these labeling. I've called them out many of times, I don't have to keep doing it again. If you think... That those labels don't attract kids, according to the FDA's eyes, of course, right? Because you're seeing it from your eye. You need to see how the FDA sees it. The perception. If you don't think that your product has that perception that it's marketing to kids, you are vaping fairy dust, my friend. Mitch Zeller was very, very specific. He spent most of the time on the flavors and marketing to kids aspect, and that is something as an industry that we really have to look into. Looking into the future, Mitch says, it all really comes down to perspectives on nicotine. The nicotine and tobacco product creates and sustains addiction, but smokers don't ultimately die directly from the nicotine. That's really, really refreshing to see that he's admitting that. So it's more about the toxins that come along with the nicotine than the drug. But the drug itself is not benign, and youth in particular should not be using nicotine in any form. Looking into the future, Mitzeller. An industry-sponsored Real Parents, Real Answers website contains the following statement. Kids may be particularly vulnerable to trying e-cigarettes due to an abundance of fun flavors such as cherry, vanilla, pina colada, and berry. Yet on another company's website, these kid-appealing flavors were available for sale last week. Yummy Gummy Bear, Skittles, Rocket Pop, Hawaiian Punch, Sweet Tart, and Cotton Candy. Look, all I'm saying is that this is clear-cut. 
no matter what we do in this industry, to save it with material studies, with nicotine delivery studies, with the efficacy of the product. By the way, the efficacy, just on a little side note, (laughs) we don't have any proof that this product helps smokers quit is exactly Mitch Ziller's work. We don't have any proof. Well, how about 15,000 vape shops that are in the United States? Who the hell are they selling to if you don't have any? How do you have 15,000 vape shops in the United States and you haven't helped smokers quit, right? So let's say we take care of all these things. We show the efficacy. We show the nicotine delivery. We show the material safety. That's easy. That can be done in a lab. The flavors... The flavors and the marketing to kids is one of the toughest tasks that this industry has to overcome. And guess what we're doing? We're just shooting ourselves right in the foot. We're shooting ourselves in the foot. Every day I get a private message or I get an email of somebody sending me a picture of a product. That no matter what you believe about it, it's the perception It's the perception that the FDA has and all these groups like the American Lung Association, the American Cancer Association, and how they're going to present it in an open hearing, the perception that you're marketing to kids. We have to wake up and we have to wake up now. The way that the FDA regulations are written Quoting Bill Gottschall from Smoke Free Pennsylvania, which I sat down in his presentation. We're not awaiting regulation. We're awaiting prohibition. So from now on, you're never going to hear me say the FDA deeming regulations. I am erasing that from my vocabulary, and I want this to trend. I want everybody to use it. Right now, we are waiting on FDA deeming prohibition of the industry as we know it. Prohibition. 99.9% of the companies on the market today will be eliminated overnight. Two or three companies, according to Bill Gottschall, will be available to be on the market. And guess what? All those are tobacco companies. Maybe an enjoy, maybe a mystic. Maybe they'll be able to tag along. Certainly not in the capacity that they are now, especially entering the vape space market. Enjoy and Mystic now. Mystic. <laughs> Mystic. This guy from Mystic that a year ago was bashing a fucking open vapor. Guess what? He's made an e liquid line and he's distributing it to the vape shops. Oh my God, that's brilliant. I wonder where he found that out. Enjoy. In fact, the CEO was asked about his new line and he didn't even know what the nicotine strengths were. This is a guy that's given a presentation and spot about it, okay? He was on a panel, he was talking about his product. He didn't know what kind of nicotine strengths they have. Make no mistake about it. We have to attack the flavors and the marketing to kids. You have to be responsible with the way that you present your product. At the end of the day, we sell nicotine. When did we forget that fact? When did we forget that we sell nicotine? And when do we forget that 
There's millions of smokers out there that have not discovered this product. Who's going to cater to them? If our available nicotines are 0, 3, and 6 in cotton candy, how are we going to get smokers to switch? When do we forget about them? Isn't it all about the smokers? Isn't that who we're fighting for? We're not fighting for us. We're never going to stop vaping. The community will stop. The innovation will stop. The fun will stop. The fun parties will stop. The expos will stop. Isn't it about the smokers? Isn't that what advocacy is all about? Reaching smokers? Let them discover this wonderful tobacco harm reduction alternative that we all discovered? Isn't that who we're fighting for? When do we forget about that? If we're ever going to have that clear vision of what advocacy is, to me, it's not about vapors. It's not about trying to impress vapors. It's about trying to impress smokers to try this product, increase our numbers. And guess what? I truly believe that the direction that this industry has gone, it's actually deterred smokers from trying it. You think a smoker's going to walk into a shop? His guys are blowing massive clouds. Can't even see the counter. He's like, oh, man, I'm here to quit smoking. Just for an example. Right? So bringing it back all to the advocacy portion of this broadcast, I see it more and more. Just like the industry has grown, there's competition, there's marketing schemes. Everybody's trying to have that competitive edge. I feel like we're getting into that same boat with the advocacy groups as well, too. Hashtag competition advocacy. You want to tread that? Trend it. Competition advocacy. It seems like these groups are fighting on where they're going to get the money from. Whose group is better? Oh, I did this. I did that. Oh, no, no, no. Don't listen to what they say. Our group is better. Oh, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that because this is my idea. This is my idea. I came up with this. I'm going to say vaping. What the hell happened? Where did we lose focus? Do you believe, honestly, that there's one group out there that will save vaping? Do you believe that there's a Sfada out there or a Kasa or a militia or an AVA or every Tom, Dick, and Jerry that can save vaping? You're out of your mind. RGR spent $250 million on lobbying this year. And my friend Chris Hughes up in PA had to beg and borrow to raise $50,000 to defeat a bill that's out there. Scraping, scraping for the money. We see it in other states as well, too. Look at states as Indiana. Look at this bill that was passed up there. And you think and you think that there's a group out there that will save vaping? Fuck you. How about getting everybody together in a room, joining your resources, joining your economy, bring all the money together, and try to do something. 
There's not one group that's better than the other one. And anybody that criticizes other groups and uh, other stuff that advocates are doing are just as bad as the opposition. If not worse. Phil Bussardo said it best. It's not us versus us. It's us versus them. And guess what? We have been infiltrated. It's now become an us versus us. And when it's us versus us, we have no chance of winning this fight. There is no group that is better than the other one. The fact that you're doing something, that you're trying something to help and what you believe is the best way that you can help, the fact that you're taking time from your daily life, from your family, from trying out e-liquid to do something for this community, you should be rewarded and you should be patted on the back. You're not competition. There should not be any competition between advocacy groups. I'm tired of it. And I'm going to start calling you out. I see you. I see the shit that you're trying to do in the back door. I will call you out. Remember my rule. Everybody that's listening to this program, whether you're a vapor, whether you're an industry, whether you're an e-liquid manufacturer, 75%. I'm 75% with you. That's it. I'm always going to keep my guard up. I'm always going to look over my shoulder. I know there's some tobacco people that have infiltrated some groups. I know there's some people with special interests that have infiltrated some groups. I know some people that just want to get the fame. I want to be famous. I want to be a famous advocate. Of course, I'm going to use everybody else's ideas. And I'm going to, you know, do some stuff behind their back to try to move up that ladder and be the savior. Whether that's for a personal financial gain, whether that is for an ego gain, whatever it is. I see you. I see who you are. And I will call you out. Stop the bullshit. Stop the infighting. The moment that this becomes us versus us, we have failed. Prohibition will come before the FDA even enforces their own set of regulations. Wake up if you want to be around. Stop the infighting. All right, folks, I want to thank my guests, Meg and Andrew from the UK. I want to thank the vapors in the UK that made us feel so welcome. had a wonderful time. I certainly appreciate everybody's hospitality and the kind comments. It really, really means a lot to me. As somebody that's been fighting for this product for the past four years, that's the most rewarding is when somebody comes up to me and says, thank you for what you're doing. We're going to keep on fighting. The infighting has to stop. The next time I see it, I am calling it out. Remember. We're doing this for the smokers, not the vapors. I will be attending the Tobacco Merchants Association meeting next week, Monday and Tuesday, but I will be returning Wednesday early. So hopefully I can get on this microphone and keep you all posted on what happened at the TMA. Once again, the Tobacco Merchants uh, Conference that is 98% focused and geared on vapor products. That's amazing. That is just fantastic. I'm just really, really happy to be a part of it. Uh, so I will be attending that next week, but I will be back next Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, hopefully with Dick Face, my new co-host. I didn't know <laughs> that was her name. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. As always, vagrantgreek at gmail.com if you have any questions. Uh, have a wonderful evening. I will see you again next week. Don't